Good morning. Today begins Passion Week, the most important period of time in human history. The week beginning with Palm Sunday and ending with Resurrection Sunday, Easter next Sunday. A day when Jesus defeated Satan, sin, death, and the grave. What a glorious Resurrection Day that was. Our scripture passage this morning is going to be from Matthew 21, the first 11 verses. And as you find that passage, let me share with you a story of a young man by the name of Clarence Darrell. He was a new practicing attorney. He was presenting a suit for damages in a civil court in a small town. The jury that was selected to be unfamiliar appeared to be unfamiliar with legal procedures. However, one man seemed a little more informed than the others and would probably be selected as foreman of the jury. Throughout the case, therefore, Darrell concentrated on this one man and addressed his remarks to him. The case finally went to jury. After an unusually long wait, the jury filed in, and Darrell saw that the man he had thought would be foreman was indeed leading the jury in. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, asked the judge, have you reached a decision? Uh, Not exactly, Your Honor, replied the foreman. We've come back to ask for some more information. There are two words which have been used throughout this trial which we don't understand. What are they, asked the judge. One word is plaintiff and the other is defendant, said the foreman of the jury. Unfortunately, I think there are many times when we approach the word of God like this jury without some basic understanding. For example, when I first started the reading, reading the Bible some 40-plus years ago, I thought that God was writing words directly to me. It was some time before I realized that the Bible was written to a specific people or individual for a specific reason at a specific period of time. Because of my misunderstanding, it was easy for me to draw interpretations from God's word that were not intended by him and led me to wrong conclusions and wrong application. Much like the jury, I didn't understand some of the basic concepts in God's word. With that in mind, I want us to see what Palm Sunday is all about from a biblical perspective. We need to set aside our traditions, our habits, or what someone has told us about and see what the Bible says about that first Palm Sunday and the history behind it. Then, and only then, can we better understand how we can apply these biblical truths accurately to our situation today. Please follow along or on the overhead as I read Matthew 21, 1-11. This is the story of the triumphal entry. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. 
If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle, riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now keep your finger in the Matthew passage, and if you're looking in your Bible, turn with me to Exodus chapter 12. That will also be up on the screen if you prefer. Second book in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 12. This account in Exodus was written by Moses under the direction of the Holy Spirit, about 1,400 years before Christ was even born. And this gives us the history. This passage gives us the history of the Passover when Jesus entered, the the history of Jesus entering Jerusalem as the Passover lamb. In Exodus chapter 12, the first 14 verses, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month the first month of, this, of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to de- determine the amount of a lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be your old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the fourteenth day of the month, when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood, put it on the sides and tops and door frames of their houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roasted over the fire, head, legs, and inner parts. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is, if is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be assigned for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. This Passover was the final plague 
that God used to deliver Israel from bondage in Egypt. It was also a picture of the coming Messiah's sacrifice, a sacrifice that would pay the complete and final price for forgiveness of sins and deliverance from this world of bondage and death to all who believe in him. The account in Exodus tells us that the Passover lamb for the sacrifice uh, was taken on the 10th day of the Hebrew month, Nisan. This month corresponds to our months of March and April. This is the first month of the Jewish calendar. The lamb, according to Exodus, was to be a perfect male without defect. The lamb was to be slaughtered on the 14th day of the month. Each animal was to be killed at twilight. This means the animals were slaughtered between 3 and 5 p.m. to give enough time to accommodate the number of animals needed to be sacrificed. Notice also that the sacrificial shedding of blood was necessary for Israel to be delivered from Egypt and to turn away the wrath of God during that final plague. So how does this tie in with Palm Sunday? Let's look back at Matthew chapter 21. Matthew's account of the triumphal entry does not tell us the day that Christ entered Jerusalem. However, according to John's gospel, we know that the day that Jesus made his entry into Jerusalem was five days before the Passover, or the 10th of Nisan. He was formally presenting himself as the Passover lamb to the nation of Israel on the exact date that the original Passover lambs were to be presented to the priests. Jesus was crucified on the 14th day of the month, the exact date that the original Passover lamb was slain, as we read in Exodus. Because our sins were placed on Jesus, and God could not look at his son with our sins on him, a three-hour period of darkness from noon until 3 p.m. ensued. It was at the end of this three-hour period when Jesus gave up his life for us, the time of day when the original Passover sacrifices were being slain. Other Old Testament passages that shed additional light on what is happening here include Zechariah 9.9, where it's predicted that Messiah will ride into Jerusalem on the foal of a donkey, and also Psalm 118.26, where it is recorded that people going with Jesus into Jerusalem praise the Lord, shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Remembering that the biblical context relates to a specific people with a specific purpose at a specific time in history, what to the Hebrew mind would be the significance of all of this? first century Hebrews were looking for their Messiah to come and rescue them from the tyranny of the Romans and to establish his kingdom and rule over all the earth. In other words, the same way that God rescued them from the hands of the Egyptians centuries before, the first century Jews were looking forward to Messiah rescuing them from the hands of the pagan rulers of their day, their Egypt. Jesus, on that first Palm Sunday, was offering just that. He 
He was offering himself as Messiah, the Passover lamb, to the Jewish nation. A Messiah who would eternally set them free from man's worldly rule and usher them into the kingdom of God if they would but trust in him and walk with him in faith. Now that we've seen the historical, biblical context, let's jump forward to today. April 1st, 2012. The formal presentation of the Passover Lamb, the Messiah Savior, to us. What can an event that happened so long ago have to do with all of us here at Lockwood Church? How does understanding the context as it relates to that first Passover help us apply these events to our lives? It's obvious that Jesus presented himself to the nation of Israel, and they rejected him. Because of that rejection by the nation of Israel, Jesus broke down the barrier between Jew and Gentile and opened the door for everyone. Now it is possible for all people, Gentiles and Jews alike, to be partakers of the heavenly gift of eternal salvation and be delivered from this world and the ruler of this world. Today, Jesus presents himself to us in much the same way as he presented himself to the Jewish nation, a Passover lamb who will eternally set us free from man's worldly rule if we will accept his sacrifice for us, trust in him, and walk by faith with him. But just because Jesus was Israel's Passover lamb, how do we know that he's also our Passover lamb? In 1 Corinthians 5-7, Paul writes to the Corinthians, the Christian believers in Corinth, and he tells them that Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And in 1 Peter, Peter tells his readers, you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. While many applications can be found in Matthew's account of Christ's triumphal entry into Jerusalem, this morning I would like us to examine how our response to Christ compares to the responses of those who actually witnessed his formal presentation to the Jewish nation. In our text, we see three human responses to the coming Messiah. As Jesus presents himself to us this morning, let's compare our response to him with the responses of those who witnessed him on that first Palm Sunday. First, we see the response of Christ's disciples. Perhaps our response is like theirs. They were obedient Go into the town and find the donkey. They did exactly as he asked them to do. And they demonstrated a reverence and a love for the Lord. They were part of the multitude who sang Hosanna to him. However, when the going got tough, they left. Later in Matthew, we read, all the disciples, disciples deserted him and fled when he was arrested. 
These were the very men who walked with Jesus every day for three years. They were committed to him. They learned from him. They saw him minister. They stayed with him until they realized that it might cost them their very lives. That's the first group. The second group we see are the multitudes. Perhaps we fit into that group. They were caught up in the excitement of the moment and sang praises to the Lord. They worshipped him. Why? In Luke's account, we read that the multitudes worshipped him because of all the miracles they had seen. Jesus was a meal ticket for them. Their true colors came out when many of them accompanied Judas to Christ's betrayal. In Matthew, we are told that Judas was accompanied by a great multitude with swords and clubs. It is very probable that many of this multitude were also those who a few hours before were worshiping Jesus and singing hosannas. The third group we see are the religious leaders of the day. Perhaps our response is like theirs. These religious leaders were a part of the multitudes who watched Christ enter the city. We see this in Luke's account. When some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. The Pharisees confronted Christ because of the worship that he was receiving. With their legalistic religious outlook, they tried to quench the spirit of the believers. Their true colors were demonstrated in their desire to destroy him. Luke records that the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill Jesus. Had we been a part of that Passover crowd in Jerusalem over 2,000 years ago, in which group would we have found ourselves? The disciples? The multitudes? The religious leaders? As you consider that, Think about Jesus' response to each of these groups. In Luke 19, we read that he wept over the city where all three of the above groups were found. Why? Why did he weep? I believe he wept for his disciples, that first group, because he knew that all of them were going to betray him because their commitment was superficial. He knew they would struggle with their newfound faith, until they made a total, complete commitment to him. A commitment that would allow the Holy Spirit to indwell them and empower them to walk in faith with him. I believe he wept because he knew that the multitudes were only interested in signs and wonders and that they would turn against him when the signs and wonders stopped. I believe that he wept because he knew the hearts of the religious leaders, hearts that wanted control and powerful position regardless of what it cost. He was in their way, and they had to destroy him or lose their earthly positions. Jesus, when he wept, saw the total hardness of man and knew that they were going to reject their only salvation, the perfect, true Passover lamb, the Messiah sent to them by a loving Heavenly Father. Jesus wept over the nation of Israel, and I submit to you that he is weeping over the nations of the world today.
Why? He's weeping because people like the multitudes are still rejecting his offer of salvation and eternal life. He's weeping because so many church leaders today are playing religious games just as they did 2,000 years ago. He's weeping because too many of those who profess to be his followers and and disciples have a shallow level of commitment to him. 2,000 years ago, Christ entered Jerusalem humbly on the foal of a donkey. He presented himself, the Passover lamb, to the nation of Israel as their Messiah, Savior, and King. He offered himself as the one who could fill their innermost needs. Today, right now, he is presenting himself again to each one of us here this morning. Today, like in Jerusalem, he is saying to those who claim to be his disciples, I want it all. I want total commitment, even if it costs you your very life, just like it cost me my life. You accepted me by faith. I purchased you with my shed blood. Now I want you to live by faith and surrender to me. Today, like in Jerusalem, he's saying to the religious leaders, it's time to be real and to lay down the false security that you have in external forms of religion. It's time to become a true follower of me, to serve me and not yourself. And today, like in Jerusalem, he's saying to the multitudes who have kept him at arm's length, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come unto me, you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Into which group do you fall? What is Christ saying to you right now, this morning? As we celebrate this Palm Sunday, Christ's triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem, will it also be the day of Christ's triumphal entry into your life? If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I plead with you, do it now. Do it today. Your Passover lamb is presenting himself to you right now. If you are a follower of Christ, but have not given it all to him, surrender it all now. Your Passover lamb is waiting to use you for his glory. Let's pray. And Lord... As we celebrate this Palm Sunday, your triumphal entry into Jerusalem and your triumphal entry into Lockwood Community Church, help us to open up our hearts that today might be the day of your triumphal entry into us so that you can change us, mold us, Shape us into your beautiful image. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.